John 20, verse 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this time where we can meet and hear your word through Pastor Choi. Lord, we pray for him that as he continues with his sermon, you, your wisdom be upon him and help him, Lord, to interpret the words according to your will, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be receptive to your word and to understand what, your will, what you have planned in store for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our reading this morning details one of those electric moments in the life of Jesus and his followers. It deals with one of the times when Jesus' mere presence in a room transformed everything. Instantly, things went from negative to positive with Jesus' presence. With Jesus in the room, there came courage and faith, where there once was fear and doubt. With Jesus in the room, there was laughter and joy, where once there had been sorrow and despair. Verse 19 says, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. The disciples have hiding together behind locked doors on that night of the first Easter Sunday. 
the disciple who were gathered in the room had every reason to be terrified. Overwhelmed is a good way to describe how the disciples felt after Jesus died, herded together in their fear and confusion, not knowing where to turn or what to do next. That is leader and teacher who had held them together all those long months was dead and buried, executed like a common criminal. What a disappointing turn of events. When Jesus was laid in that tomb, there went all their hope, their vision the sense of direction and purpose in life. And his body now missing from the tomb. They were left only with an overwhelming sense of failures, loss and shame, because they knew they had deserted Jesus in the, his hour of need. What were they afraid of? I don't think that they were just worried that those who killed Jesus would kill them as well. Their fear went deeper. Maybe they didn't want to deal with the scorn and ridicule from those who knew that they had fear. They had even failed at protecting Jesus. They had denied knowing him. In spite of all their earlier bravado, all their zeal and conviction, they were afraid of the cross and ashamed. So on the night of the first Easter Sunday, the disciples were hiding together behind locked doors. They didn't remember or wouldn't believe Jesus' promise of resurrection. Most of all, they were paralyzed with fright. They did not know what to do or what their fates would be. But then it happened. Gloriously, it happened. Suddenly, in the middle of their anxiety and angst, Jesus appears. The reason Lord breaks in through their locked door. Not even a locked door could keep him out. Not even a room filled with fear, doubt, and despair could keep him out. The reason Lord enters the anxiety filled room and all things, he says, Peace be with you. He repeats it in verses 21 and 26. Peace be with you. The repetition is meant to draw our attention to the special peace that the Lord brings to his disciples. And what a wonderful peace this is. It is the same peace that Jesus had mentioned at the Last Supper. In John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. But now in chapter 20, something new is revealed about this peace, because the body of Jesus now bears the permanent marks which testify of his peace. The new pierced hands and the spear wounded side, which the Lord showed his disciples in verse 20, bear permanent testimony to his complete work on the cross, the work which is our source of peace. Peace wasn't the only gift that the risen Lord brought to them that day. He also brought a lasting joy to their hearts. Verse 20 says, After he said this, he showed them his hand and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. The disciples were overcome with joy when Jesus arrived in their midst. More than anything, they wanted to be with Jesus. Can you see the profound change that came over these disciples at that moment? It was a change from mourning to joy. And the best thing about the joy they had is that it was lasting. This had been foretold at the Last Supper. Jesus said in John chapter 16 verse 22, so you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. The disciples rejoiced that day. Peace and joy filled that little house, because Jesus was in their midst. Joy replaced fear and sorrow because of Jesus being there. Joy, laughter, and celebration fill the air. There are many Christians hiding behind closed doors today. They are living as if Christ is still dead. Like these disciples, they have shut the door, spiritually speaking. Due to their certain situations and circumstances, they have closed themselves off and neglected their duty as Christians. They once served the Lord with bonus, but now they have shut the door. That may be where you are today. There are times when no one but Jesus can help us. When we are terrified and hiding in fear, it is Jesus who brings peace. For that is what Jesus does with our fear, with our anxieties, and with our despair. When Jesus comes into our midst, they all begin to vanish. Instead of fear comes courage. In place of anxiety, there comes peace and tranquility. Despair is replaced with joy, laughter, and celebration.
when you find yourself afraid, call on Jesus, for He will be in your midst. He will come and bring peace. He will come and take away despair and replace it with courage. Verses 21-23 to tells us that Jesus reminded His disciples of His mission and their mission and to give them power to accomplish it. Verse 21 Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. God the Father sent His Son Jesus to deliver His forgiveness to us. Now Jesus sent His disciples to continue His mission. And He gave them the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill their mission. That is what Jesus did with those disciples that day. They started off being devastated, guilt-ridden, fearful and lost. They were defeated before they had even started their mission. Then Jesus appeared to them and said, As the Father sent me, I now send you. In that moment, He recharged their batteries, lifted their spirits, and empowered their very existence. Verse 22 says, Having commissioned the disciples, Jesus breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. It seems John noted a deliberate connection between this breathing on the disciples and at creation, when God breathed life into man. This was a work of recreation. Even as God breathed life into the first man, this is where the disciples were to be made new men. Jesus gave His disciples the Holy Spirit, bringing new life and the ability to carry out their mission. Jesus continues to say in verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What was the most important task entrusted to the disciples? If we had to put it in one word, it would be forgiveness. That's right, the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sins on behalf of the triune God. The disciples, as messengers of Jesus, were not speaking on their own. They spoke on behalf by the command and with the authority of Jesus. When they told people about what Jesus had done, preaching His word in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was the one speaking through them, so that if anyone believed their words, Jesus forgave their sins. And if any did not believe their words, Jesus did not forgive them. 
Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. John chapter 3, verse 36. The book of Acts records how Jesus used this small group of followers to reach the world for His glory. This commission is significant after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. If these words had been heard by the disciples before, they certainly didn't have the same impact as how they did now before the risen Christ. His death had clearly shown that commitment to his mission could involve. He was asking them to walk the same way he had walked. He would no longer be physically present in the world, but many would continue his work of redemption. His disciples would be his ministers of the grace of God to the world. Believers today have the same mission given to us. We are His ministers today. We go about that mission with the Holy Spirit living inside us, guiding us as we share His truth. Verses 24 to 25 tell us that Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my fingers in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. It's easy for us to look upon Thomas as a doubter or maybe one who was weak in faith. I don't think that was the case. And I don't think he was alone. Like Thomas, his brother in solace, also doubted the reports that Jesus had risen from the grave. Luke chapter 24, verse 37 to 41 tells us that the disciple was startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. The disciples thought that Jesus was an apparition, and Jesus knew this. Seeing their doubts, Jesus gave them proof of his resurrection. So Jesus said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. The disciples were finally convinced that Jesus had truly risen from the grave. A week has gone by. In spite of all their confidence before, 
the disciples are once again herded together behind closed doors. Once again, the doors are locked. This time, Thomas is with them. The disciples' faith may not have been contagious enough to affect Thomas, but he was affected by their fear. But Jesus is not discouraged by locked door or closed hearts, and he comes to them again and stands in their midst, just like he did the week before. And his mission is with Thomas. So Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my sight. Do not doubt, but believe. Jesus knew that for Thomas it wasn't enough to hear a first-hand account of his resurrection. And it wasn't enough that Jesus was standing before him. Maybe, like his brothers, Thomas thought Jesus was a ghost or a figment of his imagination. Still, no matter what Thomas did or didn't believe, Jesus knew Thomas had doubts. Because of that, Jesus encouraged Thomas to investigate his disbelief. How gracious of the Lord to invite him to do so. He does not scold Thomas or punish him because of his unbelief and stubbornness. He graciously invites him to do what Thomas had asked. But Thomas, who was deeply humbled by the presence of the Lord, as we would all be, no longer needs to press such exacting requirements. To see Jesus, to hear his voice, to feel his love and concern, it is enough. He falls to his knees before the reason one and declare, My Lord and my God, recognizing both the sovereignty and the deity of Jesus. He not only believed that Jesus is alive, he believed that Jesus is God. Thomas was the first amongst the disciples who claimed the reason Christ was one with God. And Thomas ventured the furthest from home when Jesus sent them out to a place called India to tell all he could of who Jesus was and what Jesus had done for them all. Immediately, Jesus looked beyond the people in that room down through all the centuries and said, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. In verse 30, John acknowledges that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. He only narrated seven of these, not including the final sign, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Each sign involved a person and showed how the power of Jesus can be applied to human life. 
So the selection of signs offered here in John's Gospel is just a small collection of those that Jesus performed. This means that John was witness to a wealth of material about Jesus and that he, as a writer, had to make a careful selection to suit the burden God had placed upon him. The largest portion of the remainder of the books consists of several conversations, which are based upon miracles that Jesus performed principally for the sake of the conversations. John's make it clear that he took selections of Jesus' life by intent or for a purpose. In verse 31, John discloses his purpose of foreriting the gospel. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that through believing you may have life in his name. The signs, however, are not primarily important. The chief subject of the gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the author desires to present as the Messiah, the Son of God. Messiah or Christ means anointed one, and refers primarily to the long-expected deliverer appointed by God, who would come to free the nation from bondage and restore the Davidic kingdom. Messiah means the deliverer from sin promised in the Old Testament as a fulfillment of the covenants and who would consummate God's purpose for his people and the world. The title, Son of God, would appeal to the Gentile world rather than to the Jews. For the Gentiles did not have the same reservations about monotheism as the Jews did. The metaphor of sonship expresses the unity of nature, close relationship, and unique intimacy between Jesus and the Father. Human fatherhood and sonship, though, are only a faint copy of the relation between God the Father and God the Son. Together, the terms indict the very highest view of Jesus possible, the very incarnations of God himself. His objective was not only to present the truth that Jesus was a Messiah, the one and only Son of God, but also to present it in such a way as to induce his readers to believe in Jesus Christ. The reason he wanted them to believe in Jesus was so that they might have eternal life. This life is not a distant life in the heavenly, but life and life abundant here and now. This life is connected to the person of Jesus. This life is in his name, 
in his being and character. This life comes into our dead hearts and quickens them by union with the living God. It is life that flows like an abundant river into the lives of Jesus' disciples who stay in vital, active relationship with Him. Dear friends, the message now comes to you. John has made it clear to us that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Do you believe in Him and trust yourself to Him? Do you trust in Him as the Son of God who came down to earth that we might find the life? which he is ready to give. Is Jesus the son of the living God to you? Has your believing in him brought you new life? Can you confess that Thomas confessed, my Lord and my God? If you can, then you will receive the blessing which Christ promised to all of us, standing beyond the limits of that little group who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen.